And today is going to be a movie review, another movie review, that's right, of Aaron Sorkin's latest movie, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Another movie that was supposed to come out in theaters by Paramount Pictures, but the distribution rights to the film were sold by Netflix because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And now it's here. I was very much looking forward to watch this movie uh, theatrical or streaming, and I watched it at home. So, <laughs> Aaron Sorkin, am I a big fan of Aaron Sorkin? Not really, but the cast in this film is incredible. I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, 
Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Michael Keaton, Frank Langella, John Carroll Lynch, Mark Rylance, Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong. I mean, Jesus Christ, okay? An all-star cast in a film written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. I'm not a big fan of Aaron Sorkin as a screenwriter, like I said. My favorite screenplay of his is um, Steve Jobs. It's probably the best screenplay he's ever written and that he'll ever write. And that movie, Steve Jobs, is incredible. Uh, but Aaron Sorkin, when he directs the script that he wrote, like in Molly's Game, he is not as great as he is when he lets someone else directs uh, <laughs> his script, like David Fincher with uh, The Social Network. I mean, that's probably another one of his most um, famous uh, screenplays. And, um, yeah, so Aaron Sorkin, very, very well-known screenwriter. For those that don't know who Aaron Sorkin is, he wrote uh, The West Wing. He created The West Wing, uh, sorry. And um, uh, he was one of the uh, – he was writer of A Few Good Men, uh, Malice, Charlie Wilson's War, The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, and then he directed Molly's Game. And uh, then he directed – um, the Trial of the Chicago 7. He wrote and directed Molly's Game, and he wrote and directed The Trial of the Chicago 7, and this is the film we're going to talk about today, okay? So the film essentially talks about The Trial of the Chicago 7. The Chicago 7 is a group of, um, of eight people that were charged by the federal government with conspiracy between 1969 uh, and 1970, because um, they they uh, apparently were inciting to riot um, on the occasion of the 1968 Democratic National Convention, they wanted to do they 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 wanted to um, well protest against the Vietnam War in a violent way in Chicago at the Democratic National Convention um, and essentially incite violence, but. The real story is the police, the Chicago police, is the one that incited violence and that started to riot and to brutally uh, clubber, if you will, uh, some of the members of these uh, groups. And so what we're essentially seeing is the trial of, of, of that particular um, moment in time, if you will, and... Um, it's really well it's really not as great as people <laughs> has made it out to be like people are like oh my god this movie is so good aaron sorkin aaron sorkin oh my god aaron sorkin isn't that great okay i always like i really put steve jobs at the highest level a few good men is extremely corny in my opinion you can't handle the truth i mean come on okay and um the social network is good not great that's me um, so yeah, I really thought this movie was fine, just fine. Um, but it really isn't as incredible as most people make it out to be, or as gut-wrenching and powerful as, uh, most critics also make it out to be. But Let's go ahead and talk about it. So, like I said, the, the, the trial, the movie essentially talks about the trial, and it, it is another courtroom drama. Most of it is set in a courtroom, 
and uh, the judge, uh, Julius Hoffman, played by Frank Langella, supervises the whole trial, and he's a dick. Uh, he's a Republican uh, who is against the new left and the radical left, so he's going to make it very – he's going to – he is going to uh, make sure that the Chicago 7 plus Bobby Seale, who is also uh, associated with the Chicago 7, played by uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, um, Bobby Seale is um, also with with the group, the Black Panther Party, with the um, uh, the Yippies, and uh, the uh, what is it called? Shit, the um, for for it's SDS. Uh, my God, what was it called? The SDS, the the um, my God, what the fuck? Uh, it's Democratic Society. Um, Democratic Society. I know it's uh, Students for Democratic. I, I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, Students for a Democratic Society. I'm. I'm sorry. I, I had a blank, total blank. It was like Democratic Society. It's like, is it Students for a Democratic Society? I think that's what it is. So, <laughs> so there's as the there's the Yippies, and then there's um, uh, uh, David Dellinger, played by uh, uh, John Carroll Lynch. David Dellinger is is. is uh, a uh, radical pacifist uh, and a conscientious uh, objector, essentially. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so you've got these, the yippies, you've got the, the pacifists, you've got the Black Panthers, and you've got the socialists <laughs> in one trial uh, that is essentially a rigged and rigged trial by the judge who is an absolute asshole and uh we get to see that in a 130 minute film that is way too fucking long and goes around in circles so first and foremost the opening scene of this movie is fucking incredible the movie starts bang you're in and you're in and it's like okay i want to know more it's essentially a montage of the, everybody involved with the riots of the uh, of the Democratic National Convention. You int they introduced Bobby Seale, Dellinger, uh, Abby Hoffman, and um, um, Tom Hayden, and his Tom Hayden, and uh, Rennie Davis, who's played by Alex Sharp, and also um, Jerry Rubin, played by Jeremy Strong. They introduced them all within like five minutes, and it's like bang, 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 and it's like, oh, that's okay, that's great, Sorkin. That's Aaron Sorkin being incredibly great. <laughs> Being great to like, this is amazing. Okay, this is cool. I'm in. I'm in. Damn, son of a bitch. This is amazing. And in the next scene, they introduce Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Richard Schultz, who is the prosecutor who worked for the Nixon administration. And he sits down in the waiting room, and um, he is there when I think the president is inaugurated. And so they he's there when they change the picture from um, Lyndon Johnson to Richard Nixon. And it's like, okay, shit's going down. We've got Republicans, like Nixon Republicans are as bad as Trump Republicans. I'm sorry. And um, if you don't like that, stop watching. And uh, he, uh, he gets introduced to um, John Mitchell, played by uh, John Doman. And it feels like shit's going real down real fast. And it's like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Sign me the fuck up. Let's get to the courtroom and just let's go. Let's, let's go. Okay. And then the courtroom hits and it's like, okay, yes, 
I like this very much. This is really good. Come on, come on, give it to me. We're going to get some Aaron Sorkin courtroom drama. Are you kidding me? The guy was born for this. Have you seen A Few Good Men? Goodness gravy. A Few Good Men's fine, but still, Aaron Sorkin can really crank up the drama when he wants to. Give it to me. Just give it to me. And right when the trial starts, the movie just kind of fizzles down into a cyclical, circular bleh, mess, kind of. <laughs> it's it's very hard to describe a film that is way too fucking long, but it's still fine, you know? It's, there's nothing terrible about it. It's just, it's not that great. It keeps, they keep doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over again. There are so many scenes that you could have just easily cut, cut, cut to save time and to be more concise, okay? I love Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. I think he's a great actor. He's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal actor. He was great in Aquaman as uh, Black Manta. He was so good in that movie. And I couldn't wait to see him in this one. And he does nothing. Nothing. He essentially says the exact same thing. Your Honor, I'd like to cross-examine the witness. I don't have a lawyer. My lawyer's name is Charles Gary, etc., etc., etc. I want to defend myself, but I don't have a lawyer. I can't represent myself. My lawyer's name is Charles Gary, etc., 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 until he just un, until they declare his trial a mistrial and then he just leaves and never gets seen again dude does nothing he does nothing for whatever time he's in and he's in the movie he's in the movie longer than michael keaton and yet michael keaton he's in the film for 10 minutes bang bang two scenes steals the motherfucking movie and uh <laughs> yaya abdul mateen the second is in the movie for like i don't know 45 minutes and does nothing. His character, Bobby Seal, who's, by the way, Bobby Seal is the, um, uh, he co-founded the Black Panther Party. So you could have done something great with the character. You could have done something really timely with it. But no, he, he, he he's there. He sits down. He repeats the exact same lines over and over and over and over again. And then he gets beaten because the fucking judge is, a, is an asshole. And then he leaves. And that's it. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. There's nothing in this film for his character that is actually worthwhile. They could have just not – they could have just omitted Bobby Seal, even though that was the what, what happened. But they could, just om- they could have just omitted Bobby Seal from the movie and it would have been fine. They could have also just cut every fucking scene involving Sasha Baron Cohen doing some stand-up. You have no idea what these scenes are doing in the movie because they're completely pointless. All right, Aaron Sorkin's trying to be smart and doing this 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 non-linear courtroom drama in which some in which you know testimony is played, or in which when someone does a testimony, sorry, there's like flashbacks. But on top of flashbacks, there's just Baron Cohen's Abby Hoffman just doing stand-up comedy, and it's like, it's completely pointless. It's like, why are you showing this? It appears sporadically, randomly, 
with like no meaning whatsoever. It's just there and it's trying to complexify things. When a movie like this, when you're presenting it in a, I will say, um, formulaic structure, you don't need to fucking complexify it. When you've established that the story will not be complex and then you're trying to complexify it like in the middle of the movie, it makes no sense. It makes no fucking sense. And all the scenes where Sasha Baron Cohen does stand-up, if I was the editor or the producer, I would have said, cut all of these scenes from the movie and you would probably save about 10 minutes of nothing but pointlessness. Your movie would be two hours long and it would be infinitely better than what it is now. And a lot of people are fans of Succession, the show Succession. And um, Jeremy Strong, who plays um, um, who plays um, the man Jerry Rubin, uh, the other hippie. Um, by the way, Seth Rogen was supposed to play him, and he would have he would have done a much better job than Jeremy Strong. And Jeremy Strong, he talks like this the entire time, you know. Uh, You've been watching Strange Brew, eh? <laughs> I mean, fucking shit. I like Jeremy Strong. I think Jeremy Strong is a is another great actor. This film is not. This film features nothing but great actors. Okay, he was great in um, The Big Short. He was great in in Molly's Game and uh, Molly's Game. Sorry, and I haven't, I haven't seen Succession. I know, but uh, you know, we um, what do we have to do uh, to get these uh, pigs to uh, stop? Uh, Finding us, you know, eh? And, uh, you know, talk like this, like I'm fucking smoking a lot of weed, you know? I, like, uh, I just, why, why, why do you have to talk like this, you know? It, it feels really, um, I don't know. It feels like he's playing this stereotypical hippie with no, like, with no depth or no real <laughs> knowledge of who Jerry Rubin actually was. And, Maybe he was like this in real life, but I doubt he was talking like this all the time, you know? And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's really sort of, because Sasha Baron Cohen also plays a, a yippie, a hippie, and he doesn't fucking talk like this. He talks normally. Well, Sasha Baron Cohen has an accent, but he does. He, he talks with an American accent, and he talks normally, you know, like this, and, um, you know, and he's great in the movie, but why couldn't you have? When you followed it, oh, because he has a beard and you know the hippie hair, he has to talk like this from smoking a lot of weed, man. And weed is the future. I see everything. I had a dream, you know, and uh, stop it, okay? It's it doesn't work, and um, it really doesn't work. <laughs> and um, yeah, it really doesn't work, and it's um, just I wouldn't say I wouldn't say offensive, but it's not great it is uh it is uh not great and uh but the rest of the movie has really weird pacing so you've got these repetitive sequences when you're stuck in the courtroom and so essentially the basis of the film is you have to really have a, an amazing script to grip the audience over and you you don't you don't have an amazing script you've got a good script that could have used some polishing here and there because you're you have this great this great script that well this good script that could have been great and it's 
not that great, to be honest. It's it, it's pacing is very long. Like I said, there are a couple scenes where I could have cut. I could have cut every scene with Bobby Seal, and every single scene involving what's the guy's name, Fred, uh, Fred Hampton. They do not do anything, anything to the movie. They had no depth whatsoever, nothing. Okay, you've already got a story, a very timely story with what's happening right now, just with the question of police brutality and supporting the police. Okay, there's talks right now in the United States and even in, in the world about abolishing the police or defunding the police. There are people. There are people that are, you know, let's just defund the police and put the money elsewhere. And there are people that are like, let's abolish. Just abolish the police. Just abolish the fucking police. Abolish the prisons. Uh, abolish just everything. And that's a little – I will say that's a little radical. Uh, I don't like the police as much as anybody does, I think. But abolishing the police, I mean a little just like – I don't know. Defunding the police, maybe. Abolishing the police, I don't – I don't see how that will solve the inherent problem of police brutality or systemic racism in the United States, abolishing the police will not solve the inherent problem of systemic racism in the United States. I am sorry to say, but that's a fact, okay? Even defunding the police will not solve the inherent problem of systemic racism in the United States of America, okay? Because America is a country that is rooted in colonization and systemic racism. Its roots its roots were created on the basis of slavery and colonization, colonialism. Sorry, or colonialism or colonization. Okay, you cannot fix that. You will never be able to fix that. America has always been a racist country and will always be a racist country. I'm sorry to say. You can fix police brutality, absolutely. But you know, white privilege and police privileges. One hell of a drug when you've got a country that is rooted into in systemic racism that has never solved the inherent problem of systemic racism that has never ever ever and ever will solve the inherent problem of police brutality. It's absolute. It's a mess. It's a fucking mess. And the, what the movie does brilliantly is show how really nothing has changed in terms of policing and in terms of how the police is protected by the institutions of government. That sparks a great discussion um, in the movie um, and then outside of the film to discuss the impacts of the of, of, of the police in the United States and and how the police uh, is protected like I said if you look at um, oh, fuck the, the the cop the cop that killed uh, George Floyd I don't remember his name I'm sorry um, I think he was uh, hold on. I, I, I want to be extremely sure. I saw it on, on the news. Um, I think he was... Yes, the, 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 the police officer that killed George Floyd. I'm not going to name his name. I know his name now, but I'm not going to name him. He was released on a $1 million bond. Police fucking privilege. Who the fuck wants to pay $1 million to release this fucking... I'm not even going to... Who the fuck wants to pay $1 million to release this fucking scumbag, right? 
I'm, 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 you know what? I'm going to say it. Who the fuck wants to pay $1 million to release this fucking song? I'm going to say it again, okay? Makes no damn sense, right? Well, that's police privilege, okay? So essentially, what the film tries to expose is that the Chicago 7 did nothing wrong. All they wanted to do was peacefully protest against the war in Vietnam and then an investigation by Ramsey Clark's department. Uh, concluded that the Chicago police were the ones responsible for the riots and um, the violence at the Democratic National Convention and not the protesters. Imagine that. Where have you seen that before? Hmm, Where have I seen that before? Okay. When I look at the United States, I look at a country that is fundamentally broken, not just by its roots, but right now the country's burning. All right. It's leading the world in COVID-19 cases. Uh, police brutality is – I turn on the news and all I see is COVID and protests and police brutality. And um, what a time to be alive, right? No. All right. And then you've got Donald Trump that's like, we love the police. We love the police. The police is amazing. They do their job against – the radical left in Antifa, and you're like, shut the fuck up, man. You're president. You should want to end fucking police brutality and actively penalize the cops that innocently killed George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others. They should be in prison right now. And all you think about is Stand back and stand by, and it's completely ridiculous. Completely fucking ridiculous. But again, with a country rooted in brutality, colonialism, and systemic racism, what do you expect? And so when you've got a judge that thinks he's impartial and fair... Frank Langella, amazing in this movie, by the way. Incredible, great actor. So good in this movie because he plays he plays Julius Hoffman. He plays the dick extremely, extremely well. So you've got a judge that believes he's impartial and that he is serving his country proudly by denying a black man proper judicial representation And denying the jury to hear a testimony that couldn't that could easily prove the Chicago Seven's innocence, and that is Ramsey Clark's testimony. Ramsey Clark is played by Michael Keaton. You have to ask yourself, or not just no, not ask yourself. You have to essentially, when you see all of this. And you put it in the context of where we are today. Now, I don't live in the United States of America, but even if you don't live in the U.S. and you turn on the MSNBC, Fox News, or CNN, you can see very clearly um, how America has never changed from 1969 to uh, – or 1969 to um, 2020. You know, that was about 50 years ago. That the um, uh, that the uh, trial ended, and we're still—I mean, 
We, we're still seeing act, brutal acts of police brutality. Racism. Systemic racism, sorry. Because systemic racism does exist in the United States, and it does exist in Canada, and it also does exist in Quebec, compared to whatever the fuck our premier is saying about systemic racism. I won't talk about it, but systemic racism does exist. For those that are denying it, it exists, okay? Stop denying it. It exists. And you can tell that if you look at the future, no matter who's going to win the presidency, by the way, Joe Biden, Trump, that the inherent problem of systemic racism and the inherent problem of police brutality, police brutality that is fueled in systemic racism and discrimination against not just the race, but ideologies, socialist ideologies, the radical left, even the far right. Is rooted in ideology. The ideology, all right, will never fucking change. No matter what you do to the police system, if you abolish it, if you defund it, if you uh, change things with its system, uh, you know, like I said, you remove chokeholds, whatever, doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter. These problems will never fucking change. Never. None. And that is the most poignant thing this movie does is it just tells you slap bang in the face that no matter what the fuck is going to happen this year next year the year after that nothing will change nothing oh you can have a woman as president you can have anybody else as president but nothing will fundamentally change nothing as long as different ideologies they just keep clashing Nothing will change. So what really saves the movie, what really saves the movie, right, aside from its powerful messages on how the, fa how the fact that America has never changed and will never will change, is its performances. Aside from Jeremy Strong, um, the film contains really, really solid performances all around. I, Eddie Redmayne, incredible all right people say oh eddie Redmayne's a terrible actor i was I, I didn't think he was the right choice to play stephen hawking in the, the theory of everything and didn't deserve that oscar michael keaton did and that's why he is in this movie michael keaton to own everybody <laughs> michael keaton is in this movie for two scenes two fucking scenes and when when you see him for the first time in this movie Oh boy, you're like, oh yeah, there you go. It's lit. Boom! That was my chair. But like, holy shit! Like, yes. There's, there's there's this sort of euphoric and cathartic feeling when you see how they, first of all, first of all, how they build up Michael Keaton in this movie, and also how he gets introduced. It's like, oh my god, yes, 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 yes. It's so good. It's so fucking good. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, and so when, when, <laughs> when Eddie Redmayne and Michael Keaton clash, I'm like, Michael Keaton was probably visibly angry at the fact that he lost an Oscar over this fucking guy. But Eddie Redmayne was, I thought, excellent in this. He's not great in most movies he's in, but 
He was great in the Fantastic Beasts movies and in this one. That's a good thing. Um, I loved Baron Cohen, like I said. Frank Langella was really easily one of the best. That's my that's my chair. It's squeaking. Sorry. But Frank Langella was really one of the best parts of the film, hands down. Um, he is able to play this. He 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 does he 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 um he's been doing that lately. Frank Langella playing these these despicable characters. He was in the, all the way. He played Richard Russell Jr. Same thing he did uh, in this film, The Trial of Chicago Seven. This, this play this 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 completely um completely despicable character who <laughs> you just I don't know you just love to hate. And so when Eddie Redmayne stands up at the end, and he's he's going to make his his testimony uh, brief, he stands up at the end and decides to read uh, an entire list of the four, the forty five hundred uh, U.S. soldiers that have died in Vietnam. It is the perfect, I think, owning for that character, and also the perfect ending. Okay, this film really ends at the perfect moment where. Eddie Redmayne, who has been extremely exemplary during uh, the um, uh, the trial, decides to say, fuck it, there are bigger things in play. It's not just about us. It's about the fucking war. So I'm going to read every single name in that list. And then the judge completely bursts. That's it. He was great in the movie. Mark Rylance was also very, uh, very good as uh, William William Kunstler. Um Mark Rylance, again, not a big fan of Mark Rylance. I mean, the 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 uh, Bridge of Spies. He won the Oscar. That should have gone to Stallone, but that's me. And uh, but he was pretty good in this movie as well. Everybody did did a, did, did a fantastic job. Even Yahya Abdul Mateen II. He was wasted, but he was great in the movie nonetheless because this guy is an incredible actor he has an incredible screen presence in it i don't care what people thought of aquaman aquaman he was so good in that movie okay this is a movie that is really um, characterized by its incredible acting and weak script elevated by incredible actors and because of this i did enjoy it you know i i i i did find some form of um enjoyment in it and to be honest i liked it i didn't think it was amazing like oh my god this looks so good but it was still pretty good i'd rate it like a seven out of ten like a nice three and a half out of five and that's pretty much it. Like, it's good. You're when you watch it, you're like, okay, I like it. Do I love it? No, but it's fine. It's completely, and then you feel completely indifferent after it's over. And then you go ahead and do your review, and you're like, yeah, it's fine. It's good. A couple things I didn't like. I'm gonna talk about it. And that's it. <laughs> so, uh, once again, thanks for joining me into this uh, journey. At MV Passion, MV Passio. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you liked it, uh, 
please subscribe to the podcast on anchor.fn spotify or apple podcast or also many other ways that you can watch uh the podcast in but most people actually watch it on apple Podcasts, and i've got a nice nice audience about 500 people are watching the show that's pretty good uh from all over the world especially the united states that's good but i have a predominantly male audience i don't know why but that's pretty good that's the, i that's still good though i mean the the numbers that i have on the show are are really good so thank you for your support everybody that, is, that has been watching the show thank you 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 and i will see you guys back here on my next episode take care everybody